Listen, if it's not college season in the month of May, I really don't know what to call this time of year. I mean, think about it. We kick off the month with College Decision Day on the 1st. We celebrate the transition from high school to college with trunk parties, and we get excited for commencements and the arrival of acceptance letters the entire month. So... This episode of One Queen's Link is paying homage to HBCU students across the country. During Black History Month, I sat down with Queen Tammy Love to talk about the importance of Howard University, gain insight on what it means to be a research analysis at Walt Disney Company, and hear about her passion for helping individuals in the entertainment industry to secure the contracts. We had a great conversation touching on a wide range of topics. So remember to tap those five stars to rate us and share this episode with a friend to let us know that you enjoyed it. Welcome to When Queens Link. I am so excited. Queen Tammy, um, can you do us the pleasure of introducing yourself to When Queens Link listeners? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Queen Tammy, and I am so excited to be here. Um, I am a 2021 Howard University graduate. And I (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And I have relocated back to my hometown in Chicago and actually bought a home here. So I'm setting up some roots. I love that. I know that, um, you know, you all talking to uh, Queen Tammy and her mom. I've known them for quite a long time. We go to church together. Mm -hmm. I did not know you were a homeowner. So that's like an added bonus of tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And some questions might arise from that because I do think um, our listeners and our followers could gain just a wealth of knowledge. Um, because you are, you're young, but you have such a great, um, level of expertise, right. In a lot of different areas, but first, (laughs) you're welcome. (laughs) Um, but first, since you mentioned it, congratulations again, uh, queen graduate, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Can you talk a little bit, um, about your experience? You know, there's been this long lasting debate. Mm-hmm. Um, happening in higher education about whether and just in black culture in general about whether black students in particular should still be attending HBCUs right or yeah. whether you should be going to like some of these Ivy League schools mm-hmm. because you're a recent graduate right and because first of all it's also still Black History Month yes um, <laughs> can you just talk a little bit about your experience and tell the audience um, tell our listeners How did HU train you for uh, workforce development? How did it train you to actually um, view the world? Yeah. um, So first of all, I think that this is a great discussion being had. I appreciate the fact that this is even a discussion. Um, And I think that as an African-American woman, I think that as an African-American student, having the experience of going to a historically black college or university is unparalleled to anything else Mm -hmm. that you will ever experience anywhere else. Um, When it comes to how I felt prepared in order to enter the workforce and just enter the job force and really just adult life in general, given the current times that we're living in within this country, whether that's politically, whether that's just, Mm -hmm. you know, generally in any ethically in any capacity, I felt secure in myself. Mm -hmm. And when I say secure in myself, I mean that personally. 
I mean that professionally, I mean that academically. I know as a Black woman, I have an understanding of who I am, what my worth is, and I would not have gotten that confidence instilled within me on the campus of HBCU. Mm. So I I have to say, Queen Sammy, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know that I went to a PWI, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the stories that I love to share, um, you know, I... I would not say that I would do my experience differently. Mm-hmm. Um, have I always been curious? Yes. <laughs> I have yes. always been curious. Just the the culture. I do think I would have thrived, you know, at, yes. at HU or a Hampton, you know, mm-hmm. university. However, I always uh, kind of, you know, just tell the story about um, I had a friend who started, you know, uh, our freshman year, we started at uh, Denison University together and yeah. she had the opportunity during our junior year to go to Howard University for her study abroad program right oh wow a lot of okay. things happened on campus where we were just like we were we were honestly quite honestly sick <laughs> sick, <laughs> sick and tired right yeah um of campus politics and mm-hmm. race issues and things like that yeah and homegirl was like look I'm going to Howard peace out I'll see y'all later <laughs> and ideally she was supposed to come back and she never did like she completed the rest (laughs) of her undergraduate career at Howard so that's saying something to me right yeah definitely Um, I just appreciate you also just sharing the the fact that um you were able to tap into your self-worth that is so empowering can you say a little bit more about that yes um I think that some of it just comes with or most of it comes with just who you're surrounded by. Mm. When it comes to getting into Howard University, over the past five years, Howard has become extremely selective. It's a very competitive school to get into. So when you think about, you know, the selection of students who are able to be on campus, you're all smart individuals. You're all, you know, academically talented so once you're able to put that aside you're able to see you know what other commonalities do we have Mm -hmm. and you're able to get a sense of the diversity that exists among the black diaspora before going to Howard University um I can't say that I was well I was an above average well-traveled black person um having you know went abroad before and having gone to the South, you know, in order to visit family members, but I didn't have the grasp on the diversity that exists amongst our people before um, going to Howard University. And Howard is actually one of the most diverse schools. I think we have over 70 countries represented among our student campus. Um, among our student body, and it's probably grown since I've graduated. But being around like-minded individuals who all have the same goal, the same drive, and coming from similar backgrounds really just, I don't know, it's its different. I'm not even sure how to describe it. You're able to, you know, propel your, yourselves and push your push each other in a way that I don't think you would be able to do in different settings. You know, you're able to push each other 
um, in a different way. I mean, we have an understanding, you know, we grew up in similar backgrounds. So we know, you know, like what most of us faced in order to even get to the point of applying to Howard University, some of the things that we have to go through in order to stay at Howard University, whether that's, you know, from a financial aspect or looking at, you know, trying to be able to, you know, be fully immersed on campus, knowing, you know, what's going on at home and things like that. So, I mean, and then the fact that you have all these different opportunities on Howard University's campus, you almost, you begin to, you know, compete with each other, but it's a lighthearted competitiveness. It's a competitiveness where it's like, okay, if I can do this, then I know you can do it. And if you can do it, then I know I can do it 10 times better because that's just how we are. <laughs> so it's really good mm. in that capacity. It's so interesting. Underlying that is a strong sense of community and belonging. And as somebody who just entered um, the field or kind of industry, the business, if you will, yeah, <laughs> higher yeah. education, it is something that one we don't get everywhere right right um, of I, course and I imagine or I've actually had conversations with other people at other HBCUs other mm-hmm. P- PWIs alike and it is something that is so um how do I want to say it? it's so uh tangible. it's nostalgic yes it's nostalgic and it's yeah. just a, a certain uh level of presence and existing that you're talking about that seems just very different <laughs> some even even you know to current students students experiences that I'm I'm you know having and sharing students sorry students sharing their experiences with me currently yeah um oh I love this thank you so much (laughs) of course yeah no problem I would be remiss if I did not ask you um, as a current or as a recent graduate, Mm -hmm. um, your take on how students are faring, you know, this particular year. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's been a, 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 a large student outcry. Uh, Oh, I wouldn't say outcry. Demand might be the word. Yeah. Uh Um, so as a as a community organizer, Queen Tammy, my my understanding of what's happening on uh, Howard's campus currently is a little I'll say it's a little off. So I'm wondering, can you speak to that at all? Um, and is it something that um, how do I want to say this? Is it something that would deter you from going back to Howard if you had the chance? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, what's going on at Howard is something that was honestly very much bound to occur. Um, mm. As I mentioned, you know, Howard University students, we are, you know, extremely talented, <clears throat> extremely qualified students. And at the same time, we're paying a heap of money to be on the campus of Howard University. Mm -hmm. So when issues do arise and students, you know, speak to student government, they speak to administration, they speak to, you know, all of the channels, all of the quote unquote proper channels that they should be going to in order for issues to be addressed and, you know, laid to rest and those things don't occur. Howard University students, that same community aspect that I spoke of earlier, 
we keep that same energy and we unite and we figure out, okay, what do we need to do? How do things need to get done in order to see the results that we want to see that are best for the student body? Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. Cause I think um, there's, again, it's, it's so, uh, it's it's so multifaceted, so multi-layered, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a regional aspect of what's happening because it is East Coast, because it's DC, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also um, this understanding, or I'm sorry, this kind of worldview understanding of what should be happening for students and for yeah. student success on exactly. a college campus. That I feel like a lot of one, if you've never been on a college campus. <laughs> You know, and two, um, if again, just first year or first generation students, right, um, yeah. at other schools might not feel as powered or as empowered, I'm sorry, as empowered mm-hmm. as HBCU students are right now, right? Yeah. So I so appreciate you just uh, kind of naming that unification yes. of the student body, mm-hmm. naming again and uh, recalling uh, for us and for the audience that it is something that is strategic, right? Oh, yes, most certainly. Most certainly strategic. And Howard has a history of um, protests on campus. And especially, you know, with the demand of Howard University growing as it is and it becoming as competitive as a school as it is and tuition rising as it is, Mm. we have, you know, certain standards that we want to upkeep. And I mean, they're not ridiculous standards. Students should have access to clean running water on a daily basis. Students shouldn't have to worry about things like, you know, running water or lights or coldness or, you know, whatever the case may be. We're on that campus to go to school. We're on that campus to learn not only from our professors, but also from each other and to ultimately get our degrees. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, you know, you're saying, you know, oh, we're going to increase tuition on a yearly basis. Okay, well, we want to ensure that the students are remaining a priority yeah um howard gets a lot of glitz and glam you know in the public and everybody raves about howard and don't get me wrong you know if you say the wrong thing howard is coming for you the whole hbcu community will come for you (laughs) but at the same time as a howard university student um you just you have a responsibility to ensure that things are good, not only for you, but so that the next generation of Howard students don't have to deal with the same issues that you're dealing with. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. Um, So things, you know, have boiled over quite a bit. And I think they will continue to boil over until change is actually enacted. Mm. I just love the intersection of, hey, this is what we were trained to do as selected students to attend Howard, and this mm-hmm. is what's manifesting because of the caliber of student. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, it's so interesting because I literally, maybe about 15 minutes ago, <laughs> just <laughs> left a student 
who was in my office, um, you know, yeah. I was helping her with her resume. She's getting ready for graduation herself. She's oh, looking cool. for, um, you know, different opportunities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And she was just thanking me, you know, for doing, for taking time with her. Right. And I'm just yeah. like, honey, you're paying me. It's literally, it's quite literally a thank you. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. <laughs> it's quite literally my job. And that's something mm-hmm. that I've really tried to kind of carry throughout my career is yeah. the fact that anytime I'm working with students and I use uh, Queen Tammy, I use, you know, I use young people interchangeably. Yeah. <laughs> but for my uh, listeners, uh, having been, you know, in youth development and now transitioning to higher ed, um, right. having to ha- make that transition in terms of verbiage, when I'm talking to students, when I'm talking to a teenager at a high school, it is, I have literally been in roles where I have to understand that if they don't step foot in the building or in, in step foot in the facility, then I might not have a job, right? <laughs> so right. I, I just love, um, again, I am so much in support of the Howard University students and the demands. And again, what you said are basic needs, right? Basic quality of life things that, um, I think sometimes we take for granted when once we've had our degree, <laughs> once yeah, we've earned uh-huh. our degree. So I right. love that you're, and also you're you're still connected in a way, right? Um, you were very much an integral part of um, campus life. Can you talk a little bit about that before we talk about your your right now role? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Um, upon going on to Howard University's campus. Um, I was pretty nervous. Um, I think I was one of, I believe, about seven students from my high school that went to Howard University, and there were only two of us in the School of Business. Mm -hmm. And after our first semester, um, my other classmate, she didn't return. Um, So, you know, that left me, you know, hey, I have to, you know, make friends, I, you know. And upon, you know, just going to class and getting involved in the School of Business, I became excited about some of the roles and some of the opportunities that were available on campus. So one of the things that I did was I became a management team leader. And what that is, is I became professionally, academically, and personally in charge of about 17 entry-level business students. So these were, you know, first-year students, whether they were freshmen, whether they were transfers, or whether, you know, were transfers from Howard University or transfers from other schools. Um, And they had a corporate sponsor, and it was also attached to a class. And I was responsible for helping them, you know, to matriculate through this class. So within this class, they had to put together case studies. Um, and then they also had to, you know, go to different events that align with their corporate sponsor um, and really just learn how to network, learn how to, you know, just be a business professional in every sense of the word. Um, and within their case studies, they did, you know, the marketing, they did the financials, they did all the analytics, and I was essentially responsible for make responsible for making sure that, you know, all of their assignments went in and helping them to understand what it was they were doing and why they were doing it. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about the significance of a role like this? as a like being able to be in this type of role as a student so somebody who is actually even though you have a um 
a different level of expertise, right, Mm -hmm. in the department and as a student because you're a little bit older than some of the students. But can you talk a little bit about just the significance and the importance of this type of role being available and offered to a student worker on campus? Yes, most certainly. So um, this is a program that, you know, I, of course, went through. And then once I went through it, I had, you know, my own management team leader and then I became one. Um, So just looking at it from both sides, it was really, really helpful. I mean, when you come into the School of Business, I think there's about four or 500 of us. Um, Okay. So, I mean, and we have one professor for this entry-level course. So, I mean, there's really no way for that one professor to be able to adequately serve each and every one of us on an individual basis, giving us every detail that we needed when it comes to, you know, how to be a business professional mm-hmm. outside of the classroom. So mm-hmm. having an individual that was also going through the same experience as you was really something that I hadn't even thought of, but I'm glad that my school had, um, I mean, any question that I had, whether it was school related or if it was personal or if it was something about an internship, like I literally had someone who I could go to who I knew, you know, hey, they just went through this or hey, they're going through this now. Like, but they have, you know, that level of expertise, as you said, Um, they have, you know, a little bit more time under their belt. So just knowing that I had someone that I could go to who, you know, knew a little bit more than me, but was, you know, still kind of on the same level as me was really, really helpful. Um, And also being able to learn from them um, was great. And also as a management team leader, I actually learned a lot from my team. Um, They, you know, taught me about time management. They taught me about, you know, being able to um, be a leader and my leadership style and also, you know, behavioral styles and communication styles when it comes to different people. Because, I mean, you have 17 individuals on a on mm-hmm. a team and it's like, you know, of course, everyone may not, you know, be best buddies. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have, you know, a task at hand and how do we get it done in the most effective manner? Mm-hmm. You talked um, about leadership <laughs> qualities and styles, and I yeah. just feel like, uh, Tammy, I swear you were reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about, um, well, actually, I'll ask this question after mm-hmm. uh, the what I really want to ask you. So for my listeners, okay. you all, Queen Tammy has, as we mentioned, graduated from Howard University, um, yeah. and I just needed her, again, to be able to kind of share her insight, to share her expertise as a recent graduate, but yeah. then also as a graduate of HBCU, because I don't think we talk about it enough mm-hmm. from the source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for indulging me in that part of the conversation. I yeah, definitely. I do want us to transition just a little bit, though, Mm -hmm. um, to, again, leadership styles and managerial styles and just behavior, right? Um, You have recently, well, I won't say recently, for a while now, you've been working at an organization that I feel like would be a dream place for a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about, or tell us what your title is in your current position, mm-hmm. post-graduation, and um, what what company you work for? And can you say, is this a dream job for you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, of course. So I work in distribution planning and analysis, um, and I'm an analyst at the Walt Disney Company. Um, and would I say this is my dream job? No, this is not my dream job. <laughs> I thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability because yeah. a lot of times we hear uh, like these big, huge name companies, right? Mm-hmm. And people get so wrapped up in the idea that, oh, so-and-so works for Google. Oh, my goodness. So-and-so works for uh, J.P. Morgan and Chase. I know they're doing well. I know that they love it. I know that they're going to stay there forever. <laughs> right. So you walked, you told us your title. Mm-hmm. Break that down for us in layman's terms, Queen Tammy. What does that actually mean? <laughs> yes. Okay. So essentially... <clears throat> I work with um, a sales team working to sell Disney content to any third-party streaming service. So when you go and log into your Netflix account, you go and log into your Amazon Prime account, you go and log log into your Hulu account, or any third-party streaming service, um, any Disney content that you see on that specific um channel or streaming service I have worked with the sales team in order to get that content licensed awesome awesome thank you for making that so plain and so clear for people like me (laughs) (laughs) I know when you said it uh or when you said your title to me a couple was that last month I was Uh like girl what does that mean (laughs) and as somebody who I just Again, I love being able to have these type of conversations with people um, and really having them even just download their work history for me. This is how I learn. Um, so, again, you're adding a, a next level of uh, expertise to for, to and for my listeners. Mm-hmm. So um, as you're thinking through what you do on a day to day basis, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mentioned. Um, you know, really being able to engage with third-party streaming services, right? Yeah. Walk us through, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Are you doing this by yourself? Are you doing this on a team? Mm -hmm. Um, Give us all of the nitty-gritty. Yeah, so definitely doing this with a team. Definitely could not do this on my own. Um, So I work with a team. um, It's usually just my manager and I. Um, Our entire team is split into three different pieces. There's us who work with the third-party streaming services. There's a few people who work specifically with Disney Plus. And then there's a few other people who, you know, just manage um, the overall sales streaming services. Um, And we work on a team. And day-to-day, that kind of looks like some of that is data entry some of that is sending out deal closed emails once a you know once the ink has dried on a particular sale Uh, some of that looks like you know doing research on how much does this current title you know go for how much have we sold it for in the past how much can we sell it for now um and then some of that looks like you know just as plainly as sitting on the sales uh, sitting on a meeting with the sales team and crunching some numbers. Mm. Um, so none of my days look like the last. <laughs> <laughs> They're all very, you know, just ad hoc. Um, and I, I do thoroughly enjoy my job. I will say that I thoroughly enjoy the work that I do. However, I will say, like I said, this is not my dream job, but it is my dream company. So I feel like I'm in the right space. 
Yes. Okay. So now that you have given us kind of a day to day, walk us through how does this role position you? So you said that Disney is like a dream company for you. Yes. How does this role, um, and you're going to have to give me the title one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. And I literally, I actually have it up on my screen right now because anytime <laughs> someone asks me, Oh, what is your role? I I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> but I work in distribution planning and analysis. Distribution planning. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. How does distribution planning and analysis, um, how does this either serve as a stepping stone or how does this kind of catapult you into the right pathway for obtaining um, and going after securing, I should say, uh, your dream position at Disney or at yeah. another company similar to Disney? Yeah, most certainly. So um, I do want to work in entertainment and um, specifically with my team as well. Something that I didn't mention was the fact that we have to go through contracts consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime a deal is closed, there's obviously a contract that's signed. And before we can enter any data into our database, we have to look at said contract and see, you know, okay, what is, you know, what are the terms? What does this say? What does this say? What does this say? Um, And that's actually what I want to do. I actually want to become an entertainment attorney. So I think that me having an understanding and a background of being able to actually read through and sift through a contract will help me when it comes time for me to be on the other side of that and me be able to, you know, write the contract or me be able to review the contract before it gets signed um, and make sure that it's best for whatever, you know, given entity that I work for. Yes. And can I ask, um, it seems like law school is in the the pathway as well. Is that correct? Or am I am I off about that? No, no, no. You're correct. Uh, law school is in the works. Um, hopefully, we're going to say I will be in law school fall of 2023. Okay. Very mm-hmm. nice. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> this is really exciting stuff. And um, again, I just, I just think as somebody who, um, one, has so many things, just you're just dope in general. <laughs> but I know that, right? <laughs> Um, but you know, tell our listeners a little bit about what kind of, uh, motivates you to want to go into entertainment law. What's, what's the, what's the motivation behind the passion? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, I mean, I think what motivates me is just having an understanding of who is in the entertainment industry. Um, When you look at some of like the bigger names, you see a lot of black people, you see a lot of people of color. And I want to be, you know, in the room to make sure that they're being compensated correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, Because oftentimes, you know, you see stars, you see, you know, actors, actresses, or especially you see artists. Um, and you know, one minute they're up and it looks like everything is going well. And then the next minute it's, you know, as though, you know, they're just, they're not financially equipped in order to have longevity as they need, you know, to sustain Mm -hmm. themselves in the long run. Mm -hmm. And 
especially when you look at um, football players and basketball players across the sports industry as well. And that that really bothers me, you know, um, having these large entities exploit our people and, you know, having it so that sometimes even five years down the line, they can't sustain themselves. And that shouldn't be anybody's reality, um, especially when, you know, these larger entities are making so much money, just endless amounts of money off of their name and their likeness. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what drives me. You're such a social justice advocate. I just love it. I I would also, you know, the the halftime show uh, for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. If if you've been living under a rock, you know. (laughs) So my Win Queens link listeners, if you've been living under a rock, you might not have seen it. But there was an array of black talent. Okay, any kind of advice. As a, a as a young person, as a young professional, you would share with people our age about mm-hmm. going into uh, this particular career field. Let's say I'm a per, I'm a, a recording artist or an aspiring recording artist. What are some things that I should just know, like off the top of my head, before I ever step foot into a contract meeting? Um, some things that you should know is that. I mean, the first thing you should know is that more than likely, whatever the first number that they give you, they're lowballing you. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter how good you are, what the talent is, what the numbers look like, what your engagement is, how your social media looks. They're lowballing you. (laughs) And I mean, that's sad to say, but that's how these large entities remain these large entities. I mean, Mm -hmm. they have to, you know, kind of give you coins on the dollar in order to stay where they are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, another thing to note is that they're always going to put themselves first. So whether that's you going to the NFL, whether that's you going to the NBA, whether that's you signing to you know, Periscope, whether that's like, no matter who you sign to, no matter what you're doing, they're always going to put themselves first. And I think that having a solid team that you can trust, that you know has your best intentions at heart, really, really does serve you well when it comes to these larger entities. Um, And I mean, you don't see a lot of female agents across, um, well, Black female agents or female agents in general, but specifically Black female agents across the NFL, the NBA, um, or even, (laughs) you know, actors and actresses. I mean, you, you just don't see them. They don't necessarily exist. And I mean, Black agents in general. Um, I've seen a lot of different people um, across our generation who have, you know, gone to law school and who have become agents, you know, strictly because of this, because, you know, they see their friends who, you know, are, you know, really good pro athletes. And it's like, 
you need representation, but you need good representation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, there's an old saying, you know, in the black community, all money ain't good money. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, just because, you know, oh, this team is offering X, Y, Z doesn't mean that that's the best offer for you. But as, you know, the talent, you should be able to focus on just just as I spoke, you know, as a student at Howard University, you should be able to focus on being a student. You shouldn't have to worry about all that other stuff. And that's why you need a group, a strong team behind you who, you know, will be able to handle all of that so that you can just focus on, hey, I got to go to practice. Hey, coach needs me to do this. You can focus on those things with ease and not have to, you know, worry about, oh, where's the money going? Who's spending the money? How is the money coming in? How is it going out? You know, things like that. So it's so funny because I'm thinking about um, the Williams family and their their story. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Past Christmas. Mm-hmm. And just the the dynamic, right, of that um, family aspect is so ingrained in what you're talking about in terms of trust, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would also just kind of say the fact that Serena was able to autonomously say, no, I'm going to wait. This is not the right offer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially at such a young age, but I would yeah. say, you know, in present in what you're talking about too, just that college level, getting ready to graduate, getting ready yeah. to be drafted. Mm-hmm. It's so important to know those numbers ahead of time. And I, I strongly agree with you when I'm thinking about, um, you know, people just in, uh, ingrained in, in cultural, right? Yeah. That we know who are Black women mm-hmm. um, in this career field. I can only name one person and she's a fictional character, right? <laughs> Tasha wow. Jack was See? like the person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can't name, you know, people who, and I, I understand part of that is privacy as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But just thinking, um, you know, realistically about uh, so I, I call it exposure, access, and apprenticeships, right? Yes, most In terms certainly. Of being able to actually see someone like you, being exposed to someone who looks like you or came, you know, from a similar background, right? Doing the same thing that you want to do, that you ex- mm-hmm. aspire to do, and then yeah. have access to them, and then also maybe possibly, you know, in an mm-hmm. ideal world, having an opportunity to apprentice under them. Yeah. That is so, that kind of platform or that kind of, um, you know, traje- trajectory is very limited. Yeah. One, like you said, black people in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. Definitely the pool, to my understanding, gets so much smaller uh, in various career fields for black women. So I, I, I just appreciate you just naming that because that is literally why we create or why I created this platform. Yeah. Oh, Queen Tammy, this has been such a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it you know. definitely has been. Most certainly. <laughs> You know, I might have to do a, a part two um, okay. for this. I, <laughs> I can imagine there will be people who are clamoring with other questions and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, so one thing I like to do, though, um, is make sure that uh, as a one, as a professional mm-hmm. who definitely has a special level of expertise um, and has a unique understanding of a particular industry. If mm-hmm. somebody wanted to hire you, if somebody wanted to, you know, uh, have a conversation about you consulting them, what yeah. should they do? How do they get in contact with you? 
Yeah, um, the best way to contact me is likely through email. Um, I stay in my emails because um, that's where the money is. <laughs> but so if you need something, if you, you know, in any capacity, whether that's, you know, an opportunity that you could see for yourself through me that I can help you with. Um, or you have an opportunity for me, you can definitely email me. And my email is Tamara, T-A-M-R-A, an additional A for my middle initial, dot L-O-V-E at gmail.com. So that's Tamara A dot love at gmail.com. And thank you for also reminding me. So to my Queen Links, when Queen Links listeners, mm-hmm. uh, Tammy's full name is Tamara Love, right? So this yes. whole time I've been meaning to call you Queen Love because oh. you're so powerful. <laughs> um, but I wanted to know, is it okay if I pray over you? And is it anything in particular that you're praying for in this moment, career rise or personally that I can be in alignment with for you? Yes, most certainly um, you can pray over me and... In this moment, I would like for you to focus in on discernment in relationships. Okay. Okay. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. So no and no problem, honey. <laughs> um <laughs> So, dear Heavenly Father, I just come saying thank you for this opportunity to, one, reconnect with Tammy, reconnect with this awesome queen, this awesome child of yours, dear God. I come saying thank you for the life that she has lived, dear Heavenly Father, for the way that she has carried out living life your way, dear God. I come saying thank you that not only is she a believer, but she is a believer of the power that you have instilled in her, dear Heavenly Father. I say thank you in advance of all of the things that you are going to do over the course of her life, dear God. She has so much further to go, dear Heavenly Father. She is building up um, her life. She is building up her career. She is building up relationships in the right way. So we just ask in alignment with what she said um, that you grant her a a next level of discernment, dear God. Open her eyes, open her spiritual ears, dear God. Let her make sure that she is feeling comfortable and feeling loved with every person who enters her her space dear god let her allow her the uh, ability to actually discern through energy as well dear god there is nothing like being able to walk into a space and not having to open your mouth dear heavenly father but understanding that people have your best interests at heart because she wants to be able to do that for other people dear heavenly father i ask nothing but that for her as well and for the people who are in her midst dear heavenly father let her friendships be christ-like let her business transactions be centered on helping others dear god and christ focused let people feel so enthused about being around her dear heavenly father that they just throw money at her and bless her dear god because she is going to bless generations to come i say thank you in advance dear heavenly father not only for the way that you are training up her her intellectually, training up her research skills, training up and continuously growing her, dear God, professionally. But I say thank you as well for the family that she is going to have, dear God. I say thank you um, that she is business savvy, dear Heavenly Father. I say thank you that she has equity <laughs> and that uh, you are filling just her house, dear Heavenly Father, with um, nothing but love, peace, and joy for generations again generations and generations to come dear god 
I ask that as she goes about her day-to-day life, dear Heavenly Father, um, that her relationships come with ease, dear God. I ask that there is not struggle that is... um, that is pursuant in her relationships, dear Heavenly Father, because you did not allow us to be sent on this earth to uh, not have any struggles, dear Heavenly Father, but you definitely didn't say that uh, struggles would be uh, consistent. <laughs> so I ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you continuously uh, just clue her mind into the people that are for her, dear God, to the people that love her, dear Heavenly Father, because there are many, and even if there are people who are loving her from behind the scenes, I just ask that you open up their mouths. I ask that you open up um, the way that they interact with her to be able to bless her publicly, dear God. Um, I ask all of these things, knowing where two or more are gathered, dear Heavenly Father, even if it's virtually, that it will be so. And I just ask that you continuously cover her family in general. Um, Bless her mother, dear God. Continue to create a newness of life on over her family, dear Heavenly Father, and continue uh, to remind her that she is called with so many purposes, dear Heavenly Father. She's talented in multiple ways, but remind her that first and foremost, she is your child and that all of the promises um, that you have bestowed upon her will manifest in due time. I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So listen, honey. (laughs) (laughs) this has been um such a a a fruitful conversation for me you are welcome back on when (laughs) anytime um and i just i just so appreciate you for spending time with us tonight yes of course i appreciate you having me thank you so much (laughs) <laughs> no problem um for my queen when queens links listeners if you are listening to this please 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 tap in and you need help and you have money right <laughs> you have to get her coins to be able to be a blessing to others if you need any type of consulting um whether it's in entertainment um law or in business this is the person that you want to talk to she is young she is vibrant she has energy and give us your email one last time Yes, of course. So that's Tamra, T-A-M-R-A-A dot L-O-V-E at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And um, I am going to bid you good night. <laughs> All righty. You have a great night. Thank you so much again. It was a pleasure being here. Hey, 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 it's Tyra Sean Gay, and I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of When Queens Link. 